Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you and to worship with you this morning at WPC. Uh, and and uh, to especially um, give thanks for God's good creation and to also celebrate the ministry of a very successful and, and wonderful vacation Bible school this week. I never thought I'd get the chance in ministry to preach to a meerkat choir, but <laughs> that, that day has come, and, and a life-size giraffe as well. But uh, all these are, are part of the, the set for Vacation Bible School, but uh, thought it was so appropriate for our theme of, of creation today. And, and today we're also beginning our summer series, where just like last summer, we'll be exploring popular Bible stories from our childhoods. And we're going to try to bring a grown-up understanding to these foundational stories of our faith. And so we begin today with creation. Our Bible actually begins with two stories of creation. Genesis chapter 1 and a different story, largely in chapter 2, which we heard in our first lesson. The reason being that scholars now believe that these two stories were written by two different sources. Genesis 1 from the priestly tradition and Genesis 2 from the Yahweh's tradition. These are actually two of the four sources believed to have compiled the Hebrew Torah, or the first five books of the Bible. Both stories give us a beautiful glimpse of God's role as creator and sustainer of of our world and the cosmos all around. So in an effort to reinstill our wonder, our childlike wonder for creation and for our creator, We're going to hear the words of Genesis 1 through dramatic reading of the Common English Bible translation. So friends, I invite you now to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the beginning of Genesis. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was without shape or form. It was dark over the deep sea and God's wind swept over the waters. God said, And so light appeared. God saw how good the light was. God separated the light from the darkness. God named the light day and the darkness night. There was evening and there was morning, the first day. God said, Let there be a dome in the middle of the waters to separate the water God made the dome and separated the waters under the dome from the waters above the dome, and it happened in that way. God named the dome sky. There was evening, there was morning, the second day. God said, Let the waters under the sky come together into one place so that the dry land can appear. And that's what happened. God named the dry land earth, and he named the gathered waters seas. God saw how good it was. God said, Let the earth grow plant life, plants yielding seeds, and fruit trees bearing fruit with seeds inside it, each according to its kind throughout the earth. And that's what happened. The earth was produced plant life, plants yielding seeds according to its kind, trees bearing fruit with seeds inside it, each according to its kind. God saw how good it was. There was evening and there was morning, third day. God said, Let there be lights 
in the zone of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will mark events, sacred seasons, days, and years. They will be lights in the dome of the sky to shine on the earth. And that's what happened. God made the stars and two great lights, the larger light to rule over the day and the smaller light to rule over the night. God put them in the dome of the sky to shine on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. God saw how good it was. There was evening and there was morning the fourth day. God said, Let the waters swarm with living things, and let the birds fly above the earth, up in the dome of the sky. God created the great sea animals and all the tiny living things that swarm in the waters, each according to its kind, and all the winged birds, each according to its kind. God saw how good it was. Then God blessed them. Be fertile and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. There was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. God said, but the earth produced every kind of living thing, livestock, crawling things, and wild animals. And that's what happened. God made every kind of wildlife, every kind of livestock, every kind of creature that crawls on the ground. God saw how good it was. Then God said, Let us make humanity in our own image to resemble us, so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on earth. God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fertile and multiply. Fill the earth and master it. Take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and everything crawling on the ground. I now give to you all the plants on the earth that yield seeds and all the trees whose fruit produces seeds within it. These will be your food to all wildlife, to all the birds in the sky, and to everything crawling on the ground. To everything that breathes, I give all the green grass for food. And that's what happened. God saw everything he had made. It was supremely good. There was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. The heavens and the earth and all who live in them were completed. On the sixth day, God completed all the work that he had done. And on the seventh day, God rested from all the work that he had done. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Evan and Janie, for, for helping bring the story to life for us. So I began my three years of seminary education the way most students do, with an intensive summer Hebrew course intended to provide a year's worth of Hebrew language training in just 10 weeks. Some may call it hazing, but nerds like me actually loved it. Now, over 10 years ago, I still remember the way our professor would begin each class by barging through the door right on the hour. 
And as he barged in, he would have us repeat after him saying, Breshit bara Elohim et hashamayim va'et ha'aretz. Va'et ha'aretz haya tohu vavohu. Vahoshek alpane tohom. Baruach Elohim mehaparet alpane hamayim. These are the first two verses in ancient Hebrew of Genesis, of the Hebrew Bible, of God's, the story of God's great and wondrous love for us and all of creation. My professor did this exercise not only to help us practice speaking ancient Hebrew out loud, but he also, I think, wanted us to internalize these words because they matter. They serve as the backdrop for everything that will follow in the unfolding of God's covenant with us and creation. His tactic worked. I can't see Genesis 1 or think about the story of creation without hearing his voice speak these words with such passion and wonder. Not just for the story, but also for the God who made it all. My hope today is to reinstill some of that childlike wonder and passion for the story in our God as creator and ruler of the universe. The story of creation functions to evoke such a wonder and passion for our all-powerful God. Yet it seems for at least over the past hundred years, that isn't how the church has used and read this story. Rather, instead, we've dissected it. Like so many things in life, it seems that the reason we're unable to appreciate this story is that we're asking the wrong questions when we approach it. For the past hundred years or more, we've primarily focused on the when and the how of creation. When was the earth created? How did it happen? But upon a closer look at the text becomes clear that these weren't the questions the writers of Genesis were really trying to answer. So really, we're asking and trying to answer questions that, in fact, are worlds removed from the community and culture that brought these words to life. Perhaps instead, we should try to discover, or perhaps rediscover, what these folks were trying to reveal about God the Creator thousands of years ago. The story of Genesis isn't so interested in the when and how of creation. Instead, it focuses on the who and the why of creation. When we look at these stories through the when and how lenses, we're baffled that there are two stories of creation back to back that have drastically different timelines. But if we instead ask who and why, we see these stories complementing one another working so well together like our four Gospels to further illustrate God's care and love for creature and creation now and forever. First, let's look at the who of creation. And the who is unmistakably God. Our Bible begins, in the beginning, God created. God is the Alpha the first movement, the first action, cause. God is the whence of it all. God formed every facet of our creation and cosmos. God's breath, God's words, God's actions bring order to the chaotic waters, 
causing land and light to emerge, plants and creatures to rise up from the dust, and finally creating us human beings in God's own image to be the caretakers of this good creation. As I said before, it's not so much a story of when, it's a story of who. Every word of Genesis chapters 1 and 2 work to frame a creation that places the ultimate and absolute dependence of every living creature upon the God who made them and made everything they need to survive. Each day of creation in chapter 1 functions to show us that there is not one creature, plant, element, system, or function of the cosmos that can look to any other than God as the ultimate force that called it into being. Even further still, our story of creation shows a God who is active in this creation. God is not a passive clockmaker, creating the universe, winding it up, and letting it loose. God remains active in sustaining this creation and continuing to create. It's not a story of when, it's a story of who. In the beginning, God created. God is continuing to create. And God will sustain this creation until it finally culminates in the kingdom of God. So we know that the who of creation is God. The question then becomes why. Why did God create the heavens and the earth? While this answer isn't found quite as bluntly as the who question, it still isn't too hard to figure out. The why of creation, why God chose to create, is simply love. Through each day of creation, more and more of chaos turns into order and peace. Light and darkness are distinguished as night and day. The waters above and the waters below are separated into sea and sky. Plants and creatures spring forth. And after each new action of creation, God pauses, if just for a moment, to see it and call it good. God takes a moment of each aspect of creation to pause and call it good. It's like a parent pausing to marvel at their child's first steps, first words, first time riding a bike, graduating school. God pauses to take delight in us and creation and call it good. This is love, precious, sacred love. Genesis is not so much a story about how, it's a story about why. But friends, this love goes even deeper. Throughout the story of creation in Genesis, God's breath, wind, and spirit are at work throughout. This is all the same word in Hebrew, and you may have heard me say it when I was reading. The Hebrew word is ruach, and it's understood as part of one's being, breath, wind, spirit. The ruach of God moved over the disordered waters of creation on the first day. The Ruach of God breathes life into Adam, the first human made in God's own image. Creation is God-breathed. It sets the whole thing into motion and culminates in filling us with life. In other words, God pours God's self out into the creation. Christian writer Father Richard Rohr eloquently says, That God loves things by becoming them. 
And we see this in God's outpouring of self in creation. We see it later in the gospel as the gospel writer John uses these words from Genesis 1 to say that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. All things came into being through him. And then finally, the word became flesh and lived among us. God's love of us and creation is shown in the outpouring of God's self into it, through it. So friends, we've explored the story of creation in the Bible, and we've explored that it's not a story about when, it's a story about who. And that's not a story about how, it's a story about why. So then the question becomes, how does this function in our faith? How does this story function? What does it mean to be created good in God's own image? Our text gives us what I think are a couple of solid takeaways for us to adopt in our faith journeys. The first is a reminder of our role to care for and to tend the earth. Genesis 1 tasks humans to take charge and have dominion over God's creation. Chapter 2 gives the role of gardener to humans. While different job titles both come with the responsibility of being stewards, of being caretakers of God's good creation. As people of faith, we have no excuse to be indifferent or apathetic to the, to the fate of our planet and the caring for it. The other takeaway, the other takeaway from our text for our journey, friends, is to remember our privilege to enjoy the earth. Just as God saw each part of God's creation as very good, we too are to try to find the innate goodness in every person, every creature, every facet of creation. Christian writer Shauna Nyquist aptly says that God made a world of extraordinary beauty. And sometimes the most important thing we can do is slow ourselves down enough to see it, to hear it, to smell it, to taste it, to enter into it. So friends, let's stop asking the wrong questions. Instead of getting stuck on when, let us ask who. And let us see the amazing power of God at work in our creation. Then, now, and in the years to come. Instead of getting stuck on how, let us instead ask why and see the love of God poured out into each of us, into each facet of our world and cosmos. Let us commit anew to our role to be caretakers of creation, but let us also remember to pause and enjoy and wonder at the creation God made and called good. Let us seek to see the image of God in all of our neighbors and to sense the breath of God on every aspect of creation. Rashid bara Elohim et hashemayim va'et ha'art. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it was, and it is, and it will continue to remain good indeed. Amen.